What's up, everybody? I am so delighted that you're joining us today as we continue our teaching series called Your Best Life. And I really hope you've been blessed uh, through our worship and our other expressions of gathering here online. Now, listen, if this is your first time engaging with our online gathering, I want to encourage you Scan the QR code right here on the screen, wherever you live in the world. We would love to reach out and connect with you, tell you a little bit more about who we are at NBCC and get to know you. Also, if you're watching on the various social media platforms, especially Facebook and YouTube, please go ahead right now and share uh, the upcoming message with your family and friends. And you can also share the link to our website and follow us on Facebook. If you're watching, make sure you push that follow button and subscribe on YouTube. That'll help us. It'll be a blessing, and it'll help you to know when we go live. Okay? Let's take a few moments to pray. Lord, we give you thanks and praise for this day. We acknowledge that it's not a perfect day, but we're so delighted to be alive and to be able to engage with one another by way of technology. Now, Lord, there are people who are watching me with a wide variety of needs. Some people are listening for an answer to a question. Somebody is hoping and looking for strength and encouragement as they battle relationship challenges or battle illness in their body. Lord, I'm asking that you would move supernaturally in the minutes to come, Lord. Touch bodies all over the place and make a difference in our lives. And we'll give you the glory and the praise. I will. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Boy, I am so delighted that you guys are joining us as we continue our teaching, My Best Life. And if you are joining us for the very first time, just go to our website and make sure that you can catch up uh, on the previous uh, teaching. This is one of the most important series I could teach in this season. Now, what we've been grappling with over the course of the last several weeks is, is saying yes to the invitation that comes to us from Jesus. Here's how he frames his invitations. Come to me. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. The implications there, rest for your souls. Take my yoke upon you. And I told you last week that that notion of yoke in, in the rabbinical context that Jesus was living, that, that yoke suggested a certain uh, a type of teaching, a group of teachings that people would organize their lives around. Take my yoke upon you, he says, and let me teach you. In other words, the invitation is really simple. Come and be my apprentice. That's how we've been talking about it over the last few weeks. My apprentice. And, and learn how to live a different kind of life. I call it learn how to live your best life, my best life, which is ultimately a life of deep joy. I didn't say happiness. Deep joy, deep in your soul that is characterized by love. And peace. Listen, every time I say love, you say relationship because that's what I mean. Come on, I'm going to say love. You say love, love. Yes, relationship. Jesus teaches us about having healthy vertical and horizontal relationships when he says, listen, the most important commandment is this. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love God. That's vertical. And your neighbor, that's horizontal. Love your neighbor as yourself. The assumption is you know how to love yourself. That when we are in healthy relationship with God and with the people in our lives and folk we meet and with ourselves, it leads to a deep joy deep down in our souls. But 
there's one more thing. Shout peace. Type peace in the, in the chat. Shout peace. Yes. Here's how I define peace. Peace happens when my daily schedule is in alignment with my eternal purpose. Peace. Yeah. I'm living for more than what, what I can spend. Come on. Or what I can drive or what I can, come on now, or what I can sell. I'm, I'm, I'm living for something that will outlive my time in this body. Come on. Uh, uh, when my eternal schedule, my, my daily schedule is tied to an eternal purpose, peace. When those things are at work, we have a life of deep joy. It, 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 you, you might be wealthy, but it doesn't require wealth. Come on now. You might be influential, but it doesn't require public influence. Come on. You, 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 you might be seen as the most attractive person in the planet, but it does not require that. You might have a degree. You might live in a certain neighborhood, but it doesn't require any of that. Jesus says, I can teach you right now how to live a life of deep joy. Characterize by healthy relationships, come on now, and peace. Listen to what he said. So here's all you got to do. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Wow. Come be my apprentice. You know, last week I told you that John Mark Connors has a great quote about what does it mean to be an apprentice. First thing he says is that when we think about being an apprentice, Number one, it means spending time with Jesus. Number two, it means uh, living like Jesus lived, right? Uh, uh, trying to become like Jesus. And here at NBCC, we say live like Jesus lived and love like Jesus loved. And then number three, it means trying to, trying to do what Jesus would do if Jesus was in your context. Yeah, trying to do what he would do. And, and then here's how he defines it. This is the quote. The whole point of apprenticeship is to model all of your life, type that in the chat, all of your life after Jesus. And in doing so, here it is, recover your soul. You know what the suggestion is? It comes right back to the text. You know, you, 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 you know when Jesus says, uh, I'll give you rest for your souls, recover your soul. Jesus, I'll give you renewal for your soul. Recover your soul. What does that, what does that mean? We talk a lot about our emotional health. We talk a lot about our physical health. All of those are important things to talk about. They are real. We don't talk often about the health of our souls. We don't talk about how it's possible, watch this, to lose your soul in the noise and in the traumas. Come on now. And in the distractions of life. We don't talk about that, do we? Just it, it, how, how, how the soul continues to be bombarded by because we live in a technology world. We can get on our TV or on our cell phone all kinds of access to what the therapists call secondary trauma. Whether you're watching the killing of George Floyd or building collapse in Florida where hundreds of people last summer are injured and die or whether you're watching people trying to dig themselves out of the ash in the island of Tonga, or whether you're reading about or watching a news story about a young 30-year-old who was last in 2019 Miss, Miss USA, a lawyer, uh, a journalist who gets trapped in the deep darkness of depression and jumps out of a hotel window to her death. That's constant bombardment of trauma. 
I haven't talked about what's happening with your kids or with your marriage or in your dating life. I haven't talked about any addictions that you're trying to dig yourself out of. Come on now. And then add to that the fact that through our, our cell phones, the cell phone, this thing right here, we're connected to the whole world 24-7. Think about that. The whole world. And anybody who's got your number thinks they've got access to you 24-7 and they're pulling on you and calling on you and pulling on you and texting you 24-7. And add to that this fast pace of life. Come on now, where, where, where our lives are defined by too busy to take care of the relationships in our lives, too busy to take care of our own health, too busy. And in the midst of all of that trauma and that busyness and that running and that rhythm and pace, come on, that's out of step with eternity, we lose our own souls. Souls. But apprenticeship, Living, learning to live like Jesus teaches us how to recover our souls. Wow. The first thing that we learned then, Jesus says, come watch me. Well, when we watch Jesus as he lives in the Gospels, the first thing he teaches us, this technique, this concept, is simply called silence and solitude. I talked a little bit about it last week. I've added the word solitude. Uh, Silence amidst the, the noise and the distractions and solitude. Let me just read one more thing before I leave this notion about trying to recover souls that we keep losing. Come on, amidst the noise and the distraction. You know, there's a fellow by the name of Andrew Sullivan. He writes this in his manifesto for silence in an age of noise. Here's what he writes. There are books to be read, landscapes to be walked, friends to be with, life to be fully lived. This new epidemic of distraction is our civilization's specific weakness. And its threat is not so much to our minds, even as they shapeshift under the pressure, but the threat is to our souls. At this rate, if the noise does not relent, we might even forget that we have a soul. Do you feel like your soul is lost in the trauma, in the noise, in the distractions? Are you in touch with your soul? Jesus has come close. And we learned last week about this notion of how to deal with silence. I've added the word solitude. You know what solitude means? Solitude means being alone with God. Solitude is different from isolation. See, isolation gets you in trouble. Isolation is when you start strategically cutting people out of your life and cutting activities out of your life and you find yourself totally isolated and cut off. That's dangerous. That lays you in the valley of depression. That, 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 that's, that's, that's dangerous. That's dangerous. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about solitude, being alone with God. And as we studied Jesus, we discover he... he he activated silence and solitude as a part of shaping his pace in life. You know, there's a word that we find that is always involved in terms of Jesus's pace of life. It can be translated a variety of different ways. Sometimes it can be translated wilderness. Sometimes it can be translated desert. Sometimes it can be translated solitary place. Sometimes it can be translated simply as a lonely place, but often it's translated as a quiet place. 
It starts at the very beginning where Jesus prepares for ministry in the wilderness. That word is simply called Eremos. Can you say Eremos? And, and it is the Eremos that sets the pace and rhythm of Jesus' life. It is his practice of silence and solitude. Let me give you an example here in Luke chapter 5, verses 15 through 16. Jesus is, is climbing the heights of popularity as he's healing and teaching and the crowds are growing larger and larger. Here's what the text says. Yet the news about him spread all over, all the more. So that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus, watch this. Here it is. Often, note the word often. Come on, type it in the chat. Often, just say it out loud, often, regularly. Come on now, it was his routine. What? The busier he became, the more the often became. Watch this. Often, what? Withdrew to his Eremos. A lonely place, a lonely places. Why? To be alone with the Father. To pray. I told you last week that, that in the solitude, alone with the Father, our identity is affirmed. Our priorities are clarified. We, 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 we learn what to say yes to and what to say no to. Come on now. Uh, 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 Jesus prioritizes silence and solitude. The question is, why don't you and why don't I do the same? Wow. Listen. Look what it says in verse 31 of Mark chapter 6. Now, one more thing, just before I leave Luke. Do you know that nine times throughout the book of Luke, uh, the writer reminds us that Jesus steals away to his Eremos? That it literally sets the pace and the rhythm of the book, his silence and solitude. Well, now, I, I, I know you say you would like to do it, but you're an extrovert. You got ADHD, it's just hard for you to sit in silence and solitude. But if Jesus needed it, I, I get it. You're a single parent, you got a couple of, you're a single parent with two, two, two jobs. Where are you going to find time for silence and solitude? But, 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 but Jesus said it was indispensable for him. What about you? We need it. You know what? Our souls needed. Now look at, if you've been following along 15 minutes a day, reading the gospel of Mark, you've probably gotten to chapter six here. Uh, it, it's a fascinating uh, experience of how Jesus is Aramis, his quiet place sets the pace and the rhythm for his, his life. Watch what it says here. Then because so many people were coming and going, you know, the disciples had just returned from kind of a mission trip where they had experienced uh, uh, God doing miraculous things to them. And they came back and reported. Before they could finish the report, the crowds swarmed them. And uh, people needed to be taught. And miracle, people needed to be healed. And suddenly they were surrounded. And here's what the text says. Then, because so many people were coming and going, that they did not even have a chance to eat. Boy, doesn't that describe your day? It certainly describes my day. Remember the other day, my wife called me. It was about 6.30 at night. She said, hey, did you, did, you, did you eat the lunch that I prepared for you? It was 6.30. And my answer was essentially, I didn't didn't have time to eat. Is that your story? This is Jesus' story. Come on, lean in, listen to him. And, and, and here's, here's what he says. He turns around, he looks at his eyes, he says, hey guys, you know what we've got to do? He said to them, 
come with me by yourselves to a Eremos quiet place and get some rest. He he says, come on, walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. He says to the disciples, come on, guys, you guys are stressed out. We've we've worked out. Come on, we've had a full day. We've been so busy. We haven't even had a chance to eat. Here's what we got to do. You don't need a cold. It's not a cold beer beer that you need. It's not a night out on the town with the girls that you need. You need to get away with me and rest. Wow. Just say out loud. Get away with Jesus and rest. Yeah. Now, this is so real. I love this text as it lays out. This is reality, right? So it says in verse uh, 32, it says, so they, they got into a boat, headed for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many of the people recognized and saw them leaving and they were running along. The Jesus and disciples in the boat, they're running along on the shores. They have a sense of where they're going. So they run way up ahead of them, the text says. And by the time they get to the landing place for the voice and for the boat, well, the people have already run ahead. Crowds are waiting. Here's what verse 34 says. So Jesus saw as he gets off the boat, he, he saw the huge crowd as they stepped from the boat. As Jesus stepped from the boat, and he was moved by compassion. He just couldn't overlook them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were in desperate need. So he began teaching them many things. Wow. Jesus gets you. Jesus gets your schedule. Jesus understands what it's like to be in the midst of the world stone, the, the, the wind storm that you call life and, and high activity. He gets it, right? right. He, he, he gets it after you've worked for eight hours. You show up at home and you're ready to kind of chill out and you discover that the, that the pipe under the kitchen sink is bust, busted and you've got to try to figure out what to do with it. My goodness. He, 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 you know, just when you think you can rest, you can chill out, then there's something. Else. He gets, you know, you've just finished your homework. You think you got an hour or two to hang out on your phone, watch TV, and then your parent calls you and now you got another two and a half hours of responsibility. Jesus gets you. Yeah, he gets living with your roommate. You think you're going to be able to chill out on Saturday. Roommates calls you. The roommate says, look, can I just have 15 minutes? I'm going through a tough time. And that 15 minutes becomes two and a half hours. And you would exit, but you just can't do it. He or she needs you. And now you're spent. What are you going to do? Well, you know, the text goes on and shares that by the time they got to the end of that day, Jesus put the disciples on the boat, told them to get on across the lake. Watch it. He dispersed the crowd. It doesn't use the word Aramis here in the text, but he actually goes up in the mountain until late in the evening. He had no time to be alone with the father during the day. It was just too busy, but it was so indispensable that it was far more important to be with the father than even to sleep. And so the teaching of the scripture tells us that in the late hour, he's in solitude. He's alone with the father. Wow. His soul required it. You know, I get this. A couple weeks ago, I I had been stretched out 
the COVID surge calls me to cancel uh, several public speaking engagements, but I still agreed to provide those messages by video. A fascinating, wonderful team that worked with me. I ended up recording seven messages in one week, actually in a, in a seven-day period of time. We actually made 10 recordings because I had to do a couple of them more than once. That means I had to prepare the message, record the message. And then the next week, Monday came, I just launched back into my weekly schedule. Thursday morning, I was getting ready to go, and uh, I was just exhausted. I hadn't had time to be with God. I hadn't had time to go for my regular walk to get my exercise in. I hadn't had any of that time. I'm just running and running and running and running and running, running for the kingdom. Come on now, running to serve. The needs are so great. But my soul was depleted. Anybody knows what it's like to have a soul that's depleted? And I got up and finished my shower. My wife came to me and she said, hey, let's have breakfast. I knew that she knew my schedule on Thursday is the same. Every Thursday I get ready. I get out of the house. I spend the whole day doing final preparation. I record on Thursday night. So if I've been married for 36 years. So I get that since she knew that and she said, let's have breakfast. <laughs> Think, guess what I did? I had breakfast, y'all. <laughs> Thank God I had breakfast. You know why? Because as we talked the talking at the table turned into walking together outside. And, 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 and God ministered to me through my wife. And I realized that I was depleted. And yes, I could push myself further. I could. But what I needed to do was go be alone with Jesus. Y'all, they listen to this. Come on. In, a, in an eromos, in a solitude, in a quiet place. And so I called my team and we rescheduled the taping on, to Friday night. And you know what I did? I got a big blanket and I got some stuff and I went out to the local park and, and up on a hill under a tree, I laid out my blanket and I got there on the blanket. And, and from, from, from noon to late evening, I was there on the blanket. And I can't tell you how remarkable, I did do some work. But I disconnected from the world. My wife could reach me. My kids could reach me. My senior assistant could reach me. Nobody else. Totally disconnected. And there in the beauty of the sun. With the, with the wind blowing in the backdrop of life. Y'all ain't listening. The, 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 the trees perfuming the air. The greenness that was all around me. The chirping of the birds. There was something, some power in the beauty of the atmosphere that God began to use to attend to a part of me that coffee could not reach. To attend to a part of me that a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts could not minister to. Come on now. To, to attend to my soul. And there I was. And there I was. And when the night came, I went home. I woke up the next morning and, 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 and I was fresh. You see, here's the point. In silence and solitude, God refused our souls for the next day. And here's what happened. Listen, I, I mentioned this. I think it was last week or a couple of weeks ago. So you know what happened the next day? When I got to the church in San Jose ready to, to, to do what I had to do to record, I realized I left my briefcase back home on the sidewalk in front of my house. Went back 30 minutes to pick it up and came back. Then I realized, check me out, listen to me, that as I got ready to unlock the door, I had left my keys 
back home. Come on, come on, come on. Uh, and then we have a lockbox. So it took me a little while, but we got the combination and I got a new set of keys that we have. And I got ready to unlock the front door only to discover that they had changed the locks on the front door, but had not changed the keys that we set aside for emergencies. Now, had I not taken that time away with Jesus the day before, that type of happenstance after happenstance after happenstance would have caused me to come unglued. Y'all ain't listening. But because my soul was refueled. Come on now. I, got, I, I, I went from happenstance to happenstance, called the right person. He said, it's going to take me an hour and a half. I said, take your time. I'm going to walk down the street and sit at Starbucks outside and do my work. And when he showed up, I just went right on in there. I did not miss a beat because, y'all ain't listening, my soul had been refueled and my vision was clear. Wow. You know, after reading, after experiencing that, did, did you get the point? Your, your, the refueling of your soul helps you prepare you for unexpected crises of tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It gives you strength. See, I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, but if your soul is few, you can handle it. Come on now. All right. It, it, you know, I thought about Psalms 23 after going through that experience, and I just had a fresh take on it. Oftentimes we read it. Here's, here it is, Psalms 23, the New Living Translation. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Uh, uh, we've always jumped to mean homes and money and cars and all that kind of stuff. That's not always equate with the reality of our lives, but ultimately the affirmation is he's my provider. But, but I thought, what if, what if the psalmist actually meant what he said? That I have all that I need. Come on now for the renewal of my soul. No, notice what he says. He says, he says, he lets me God that is, Rest in green meadows. You see the picture right here. And he causes me to walk along quiet streams. In other words, he puts David in a context like I went to the other day out there in the park up on the hill under the tree, y'all. And the power and the beauty of God's environment is it contains some invisible power of love that it is allowed, come on now, to, to give therapy to my soul. Whew. Great meadows and peaceful streams. Yeah. Stop just walking through the environment. Stop just riding, running through it. Come on now. There's some power there. Slow down. And let God minister to you through the love of the beauty of his environment. Wow. All right, I can hear my daughter say, but, but daddy, tell me how to do it. I'm getting ready to go to college. I need to know how to, how to do this solitude thing. What do I do? How do I execute it when I come home from, from school? How do I execute? She's, a, she's practical, y'all. She, she watches these messages. So she tell, tell me how. All right. All right, the fellow who writes the book, uh, how to, uh, to get your life back. John Eldridge, best-selling author. His premise is this. If I can do it for one minute, I can learn to do it 
for 10, 15 minutes. I can learn to do it for 30 minutes. I can learn to do it for an hour. But it starts with one minute. He calls it the one minute pause. And, and what he suggests is that, that oftentimes the best thing to do is to pick some of the transitions in your life, uh, in your day, excuse me. Rather than going from email to email and meeting to meeting and call to call, pause between emails and take one minute. Uh, when, you, when you get home at night, rather than just rushing out of the car and going in, stop, turn off the lights, come on now, and, and, and just sit there for one minute. Rather than going from the math homework to the science homework in between, come on now, shut down the phone, shut off the computer, come on, come on, come on, close the door, isolate just for, or, or rather get in solitude just for one minute. And then he says... Focus. Breathe in. Breathe out. You can count it. Breathe in. One. Breathe out. And he says, as we do, the first thing you got to do is pray a prayer that allows you to let go. Somebody shout, let go. Write it in the text, let go. And, and, and here's the prayer that he teaches to pray in your one minute pause. Jesus, I give you everything. I give everything and everyone to you. Jesus, I give everything and everyone to you. And he says, he repeats that. And sometimes Jesus brings to mind some specifics. I give the meeting that I cannot control its outcome that I'm going to. I give it to you. I give the child that I cannot get to move in the right direction. I give that child to you. Come on now. I give everything and everyone. I give the work assignment. I'm not sure what grade I'm going, I made on the test yesterday, but I give it to you. Say, let it go, let it go, let it go. But place it in his hands. And then he says, receive. And here's what he prays. Fill me with more of you, God. Renew my soul. Fill me with more of you, God. Renew my soul. Did you notice how the psalmist is that little section? He leads me besides the still waters. He makes me lay down, leads me besides the still water, King James Version. And it says, and he restores what? The, 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 the New Living Translation says, and he renews my strength. Practice it. This week, practice it. One minute pause. And practice the prayer. And let's see what God does. Do it a couple of times a day. All right, as I pivot out, come on, getting ready for next weekend. Let me share with you. Last week I told you that uh, the silence and solitude begins with, with silencing the external. 
You remember? Come on, turn off the telephone. Come on, turn off the, shut down the computer. Create some space for you to be alone. And you ought to do it on a regular basis. You ought to, I'm, I'm teaching you about the one minute pause today, right? But I also told you that one of the reasons why we hide in the noise is because we don't know what to do with the internal noise, the voices that we hear. Good God Almighty. And so I, I, today I want to just, I'm going to end this message by, 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 by telling you that among the voices that you hear on the inside, the voice that you have to distinguish that's more important than any other is the voice of God. And the moment you distinguish the voice of God, then you can label the other voices. Y'all, y'all listening to me? And if I can label them, then I can handle them and not allow them to handle me. Y'all, come on. Come on. All right. All right. All right. I'm going to give you one characteristic this week. Next weekend, I'm going to give you a second. Next weekend is Valentine's weekend. And that is the weekend that we hear all the other voices, right? If you're in a loveless relationship, Valentine weekend is a tough weekend. You hear all the voices, the, the other voices. If, you, if, you're, if you're not in a relationship and you're looking for Valentine weekend is a tough weekend. If, if you're single and you're happy, come on now. But the people around you say, it, it doesn't make sense that you're single and happy. It must be something wrong with you. Come on now. Uh, uh, make sure you get back here next weekend. I want to talk about the second characteristic. It's going to help you on Valentine's weekend. But, 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 but this week, let me, let me tell you a story. Tell you a story. Good God Almighty. The, the, the guy was named Elijah. It's in 1 Kings chapter 19. And he's depleted. His soul is lost in the high activity and in the trauma. He goes under the tree and he says to God, just kill me. I don't have any reason to live. God revitalized him and tells him to go to Mount Horeb and up at the top there's a cave and he sleeps in the cave and then when the morning comes, God says, come out, I want to talk to you. And Elijah goes out. I'm talking about recognizing the voice of God. And Elijah goes out. I talked about this a few weeks ago just in case it remembers. God, Elijah goes out. And the first thing he says, the text says, is there was a big windstorm that came. And it shook the thing and storms, stones rolled away and popped loose. It was a mighty windstorm. But the text says, but God was not in the wind. Here's what it meant. The voice of God was not in the wind. And then the text says, an earthquake came. Come on now. Shook the mountain. But then it says, but the voice of God was not in the earthquake. And then it says a fire came, come on now, and spread, but, 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 but the Lord was not in the fire, meaning his voice was not in the fire. And then it says a gentle whisper, Lord have mercy. Did you catch it? The voice that God, when you're listening for God's voice, notice the word gentle, shout gentle. When God speaks, it's a gentle voice. If what you hear is harsh, come on now, and accusatory, that is not the voice of God. God's voice is a kind voice. Shout gentle, gentle. If what you hear is full of anger and name calling on the inside of you, that's not God's voice. God's voice is a loving voice. 
if what you hear on the inside of you is condemnatory and guilt-ridden and shame-ridden, that's somebody else's voice. That's not God's voice. Come on now. Because the scriptures tells us that in Jesus Christ, there is no condemnation. He, he will convict us, which means he softly clarifies and shows us. You could have done that differently. You can go that way. But it's always done with love and with kindness and it comes come on now not only gently but it comes in a whisper how do you hear a whisper you have to I'm, I'm reminded of my daughter when she was about six seven years old her and her brother used to have a game they play hide go seek and she would go count off and he would run and, and, and she could hear him running. And then when she gets to the number, she says, ready or not, here I come. But the first thing she does is she beasts, she's still, she was still, and she quieted herself. And the first thing she did was she remembered, where did I last hear his steps? Because when he ran, he made a lot of noise. Was it going towards the kitchen? Or was it going upstairs? Come on now. And when she realized the last steps I heard was going upstairs, she'd run upstairs. Come on now. Uh, 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 when you're in your silence time, come on. It's helpful to, to begin to refocus your mind. Come on, come on. On, on, on. Where are the moments of goodness and grace that God has, come on, stepped into my life uh, 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 and, and move in that direction? Drive your thoughts into that direction. And then, and then she would come into our room. Oftentimes, Jonathan would hide in the closet in our room. And somehow she would figure out he's in the room. And when she'd get in the room, she'd say, shh, seven years old, y'all. Me and my wife sit there. We got quiet. We turned down the, the TV. She's listening for something. It's not the TV voice. It's not mom and daddy's voice. What's that down the hall? No, that's grandma down the hall. No, 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 no. Shh. Just when she's about to give up, come on, y'all, come on. You, 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 you see how I'm talking about how she distinguished what's not the voice she's listening for? Let me give you a label for those other voices. So, you know, sometimes the, the voices that you hear, they're the voice of yesterday's traumas and yesterday's fail, failures. Sometimes those other voices, they are hidden insecurities that speaks to you, right? right? But let me just give you a way of labeling them so you can handle them. The other voices that shh. The other voices that you hear in the quietness, come on now, they are, just call them false voices, come on now, uh, 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 and deceptive messages. Yeah, 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 if they say you're nobody, if they say you can't ever be, if they call you this, if they call you that, come on, they're false voices and deceptive messages. She said to those voices, shh, and then when she was just about ready to give up, Jonathan would make a little noise, y'all. And he'd be in the closet to make a little noise. Why? Because he wanted her to find him. And she would hear him and she'd run to the door and open the door. And he would go, ooh, wow. And she would scream. And then he'd reach out and grab her and she would scream. And they would turn around and she would just release and laugh. And in his arms of great joy, oh, I'm trying to tell you that when you sneak away in the silent moments, when you find your Eremos, that the God that we know in Jesus, he wants you to find him. So label the other voices. Come on now. 
false voices, come on now, deceptive messages and say, now Jesus, expose yourself to me. I know you want to talk to me. Let me hear your voice. And the voice from above will call you into his arms and rock with you. Come on now, y'all have mercy. We'll bring you into a place of comfort and joy. And everybody said amen and amen and amen. Oh, my God, let me give you quickly your homework before we get out of here. Number one, make sure you keep reading uh, in the Gospel of Mark. That's important. Number two, ask yourself this question. What am I learning about the voice of Jesus as I read? And then number three, here it is. I had it last week. Solitude. It's a one-minute pause. Practice it along with the prayer over the course of this week. God, oh God, we want you to grab us up in your arms of grace. We want to hear your voice. Speak to us in the silence. In Jesus' name, amen.